Well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good. Good, awesome. Awake a little bit more, right? Man, I heard those Arnold boys just singing out. That was great. That was awesome. Well, this morning, uh, we'll be continuing our series in the Family Portrait um, series that we've been going through for the last several months. Um, and it's been just a great uh, opportunity to look, at, um, to look at faith, but look at, look at the people that God uses and to see um, both their exemplary, exemplary character, but also the exemplary events that, that God has used in the lives of, of, of people and how they have expressed faith through various circumstances. This is, you know, the family uh, tree. This is kind of the, the family lineages, lineage of the, the people of faith um, like us. And we're looking at the Old Testament. We've looked at the lives of, of Abraham, and we've looked at the lives of, of Noah. Um, and now we're, last week we looked at the life of Moses, and we're going to be continuing that today. We're going to be looking at the life of, of Moses, but... This week, we're, we're going to be switching from the, last week we looked at his exemplary character, um, and this week we're going to be switching to an exemplary event that God ordained um, and used Moses by faith to, um, uh, to institute for God's people, and how that is still impacting us today um, as, we, as we look at redemptive history. So if you will turn um, either in your, in your bulletin or in your Bible to Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, we're going to be reading just, the, just verse 28 today. And we will um, we'll read this passage here and we'll dissect what's going on here. Because there's a lot, to, a lot to talk about. So this is Hebrews chapter 11 verse 28. Let's hear the word of the Lord together. By faith, he, Moses, kept the Passover and the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. This is God's word. So there's a lot in there that I think that, you know, um, a lot to, to pick out and a lot to say, what, what's going on here? What's going on in this, a passage like this? You know, as I read this, um, some of the, the questions that I, I have are, you know, what exactly did Moses' faith look like in, in this circumstance? Um, you know, why does the author mention the institution of the Passover before the events of the Passover itself? Why does he talk about the meal and the celebration before the actual event that God um, that orchestrates? Um, here's a big one. Who is this destroyer character? You know, that's enough to say, hey, let's, let's go ahead and look at this, this passage. Um, and then what does it mean um, that he did not touch the Israelites and their firstborn? Those are some questions. And, and as we look today, as we, as we um, talk about this passage, um, we'll actually hopefully answer some of these questions. That's, that's the goal would be to answer some of these questions today, okay? So, before jumping in, um, we're going to be talking a lot about blood today. That's kind of a disclaimer, but um, it's important. It's important, especially for the Christian faith, to talk about, to talk about blood. But just to, just to kind of open it up, um, 
for, for you who've done you know, laundry in your households, um, how hard is it to get out a blood stain of something, of clothes? You know, growing up, um, I scraped my knees a lot. I got a lot of cuts and bruises just you know, messing around and stuff. And that would you know, get into my clothes sometimes. And I know that those blood stains would, would, would stay, right? They were very hard to get out. Maybe you have been successful in getting those blood stains out. You know, I know, know they make a lot of products these days that, um, that, that claim to get those things out, and maybe they do. Um, but today I want to talk about the, the type of blood stains that don't come out. And we'll see that that is a good thing that they don't either. So we'll be talking here. Um, there, there's, there's a couple things that I, I want us to see um, that are blood-stained. Um, first, hands that are blood-stained, I want us to look at. I want us to look at the knife that is blood-stained. Uh, that's more talking about the, the meal that, um, and celebrating the redemptive act of God. And then thirdly, looking at the blood-stained doorframe. You know, what was it about the doorframe that was so important for Passover um, and what the Lord did there? So we'll look at those three things. We'll kind of split those up into, into that and then see why, why that is so important, why, why all of this is so important, and even how that translates into what we get to celebrate today, which is essentially our Passover. It's coming to the Lord's table so first of all, looking at the blood-stained hands, and what do I mean by that? Um, so I'm a part of a um, a part of a, a gym, Planet Fitness, and their big thing is um, you know a judgment-free zone. They're, they they have it written on their wall, big letters, or a judgment-free zone. And you know I think that that's that's a big a big part of our culture. We want to be judgment-free, right? Or at least appearing to be judgment-free. You know, we might do it behind closed doors, but judgment-free. You know, you can't judge me. You can't tell me what I can and can't do, right? You can't tell me that I'm wrong. And a lot of problems today stem from that idea, you know, and, and that's not been, that's not just something that is mutually exclusive to our day and age, but has been, has been existent throughout all human history since sin has been in the world. You know, we don't, we don't want people to tell us what to do. We don't want to be told that we're wrong. But we also don't like judgment either. We don't like judgment. Um, but this passage ultimately has a lot to do, this, this Exodus passage has a lot to do with, with God's judgment. It's not a popular topic. I know that. But I want us to see that God is the only right one who can judge. He is the only one who has the authority to judge as creator and how we actually need a judge. We actually need a judge, right? We need someone other to settle our disputes, right? Because we, as humans, we're going to be biased. Either we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to want to spin things in our own, um, to our own accord, but we need a God who will judge justly and unbiasedly, who will deal with wickedness. Actually, there's a, a professor, a theology professor, 
Um, he lived in uh, Croatia, but now he's a theology professor at Yale. His name's Miroslav Volf. That's a, that's a fun name to say, Miroslav Volf. And Miroslav Volf said um, he, he, he grew up in, in a time where in Croatia there was a lot of governmental corruption, and he saw a lot of terrible things that happened to the people. Um, you know, ab- abuse of, of, of women and young girls, um, you know, um, seeing people's fathers and, and, and sons get their, you know, essentially be executed on the spot. Um, a lot of terrible things, villages being burnt down. And he says this, is that ultimately a, a, a God who does not deal with evil, a God who does not judge, wouldn't be worthy of worship. We need a God who does deal with evil, who does not bat an eye at wickedness in the world, but who does deal with evil. That's why we need judgment. And he ultimately says, his, his, his thesis says that it, ultimate, it really actually takes a, the, um, the quiet of a suburb to kind of nullify the need for judgment, right? Because we don't see, you know, we don't see bloodshed happening in, in, around us. We don't see these things happening around us. And it says that, you know, the thesis that God won't do anything really only can live and exist in a, in a, in a world that is comfortable, right? A world that, um, you know, is, is protected from the evils that are in the world. And that's what, that's what Miroslav Wolf says. And why do, all that to say is that that wickedness is in every human heart. That wickedness is a part of, of all humans. And specifically in this narrative, we, we see in, in, the, in the people of, uh, of Israel and in Egypt that, that Egypt was, was very much so oppressing the Israelite people, enslaving them, treating them harshly, right? We, we read last week about about the Pharaoh um, executing the, the, the young boys, right, to, to control the population because he was afraid, right? All these terrible things. And, and in that, we also see that, that God will and does deal with that evil. He does deal with that, and he, he does that, through, we didn't look at what, we see the, the plagues that, that, um, that he uses through Moses, right? All these plagues, these nine plagues, and then on this, this, this and he keeps hardening Pharaoh's heart, right? Pharaoh is, is getting his heart hardened. He's not, he's not listening to Moses and ultimately the Lord to let the people go, right? To worship the Lord. And ultimately God says, okay, here's what's gonna happen. We, I'm going to bring uh, judgment. I'm going to pass over, right? The angel of death is going to pass over the, the, the nation of Egypt. And I'm going to take the, the life of every firstborn. And that's, that's a hard thing to hear, that God was going to do that. But this was God's judgment, not only against, not only against Egypt, but the gods, Right? The gods who stood against uh, the ultimate God, the, the, the one true God. And in that, he was going to bring judgment, right? But why did, why did, the, why did the, the people of Israel 
Why didn't, why didn't God just say, you know, we'll, we'll just, you know, it will be okay. Like, you guys just stay in your, in your homes and, you know, I'll just go and, and take care of the Egyptians, right? And that's, we'll, we'll just kind of know how to parse that out, right? I'll, I'll take care of them. You, you do what you want. Why does he say that, no, that there, there needs to be blood that atones for, that, that actually stands in the way on your doorposts so that you are protected, so that you are not touched, right? Why does he say that? Well, ultimately, is that the Israelites, their hands were just as bloodstained as the Egyptians, right? They dealt with the problem of sin. Even in, this, even in the narrative, they had a hard time obeying the word of the Lord, right? They, they didn't want to hear it, Right? But this is what God has orchestrated is a means, a way to provide to redeem the people, right? So it's an equal playing field that the Egyptians and the Israelites had bloodstained hands, right? They were, the, the, the Israelites weren't more righteous or you know, weren't more worthy than the Egyptians. They were both on the same playing field. But it was God who remembered, right? He remembered the promise that he made to Abraham, right? To redeem a people for himself. And this was the, the, the cry that he heard at the beginning of the Exodus story. And he remembered his promise, right? We, we sang about that just, just earlier. The, the promises that God remembers, right? Generations after it happened, he still remembers the promises that he has made. So in that, in that sense, that judgment was coming for the entire people, right? For, the, for Egypt, right? It's an unbiased judgment that, that's coming. But God made provision. And what did he say? He said to, to Moses and the, the, the people to take a lamb, right? To take a lamb and to bring that lamb in, in the house, right? An unblemished lamb. And then think about that, you know, a, 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 a perfect un, unblemished lamb on the, on the 10th day, take that into your house for four days, right? And you're, imagine that, you know, you're playing with like a cute little lamb, right? For four days, right? It's becoming one of your family. Like it's like, you know, it, it's one of those things that is a part of the family. And then what does it say? Like, like that on the 14th day, you have to, sacrifice that lamb, right? Right, like that lamb, they would have understood in that time that that lamb is standing in the place of the firstborn so that the firstborn would not have to die, so that judgment wouldn't come upon the family, right? That that lamb was standing in the way with the blood on the doorposts, right? And the, the meal that they celebrated to eat that meal as well. And notice how the Hebrew writer, he says that that's this, this commemoration meal is happening before the event itself, right? Before the Passover event, you're celebrating this meal, right? You're, you're safe inside your home, eating this meal while judgment is happening all around you. You're, you're knowing that you are provided for. And... This is why, you know, the, 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 the Hebrews uh, were, were looking to this, this, this redemptive 
act here. You know, it, it talks about Moses' faith, and that's prior to God's redemption. And it's, you know, ultimately looking at, at, the, at it this way. You know, his faith wasn't some, wasn't some arbitrary thing, but he, you know, his faith, if you think about it like as, as in, you know, input-output, the input was God's word, right? God told him, Moses, do this, right? He takes that, and the output of his faith is obedience in accordance to the word, right? So it's not, you know, it, it had nothing to do with what he, you know, felt inside or the strength of anything happening inside of him, but his ability to say, okay, God, I trust you at your word, you know, that I believe that you are going to bring judgment and that we do need to follow this way that you have provided so that we can be redeemed. That's what Moses does. And he, t- he teaches the people to do this as well. And he's, they, they, they celebrate the meal together inside of their homes, eating the Passover meal together at the table that the Lord has provided. They, they're feasting in the midst of what's happening here, right? And it's this, this sense that, that God is providing something that they're actually looking forward to, right? They're looking forward to this, um, this salvation event that is going to happen, right? But in the way the, also that the Hebrew writer talks about it in, in Hebrews 11 is that this, this keeping of the Passover is, is, in, um, is in a complete sense of the word, right? That it's not just this, this one-time event, but he kept the Passover at the beginning, right, before the event, but also for the people he continued remembering that year after year as the Lord had, had said. This is what the Lord was providing and Moses was obeying in faith. So he, he took the meal and he ate it, right? The people took the meal and they ate it as well, right? And that, that, that substitution for them, you know, was, was, really, was really important, as we shall, we shall see here, because we looked at the blood-stained hands, and we looked at the, the blood-stained knife, right? The, 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 the looking at, at these two things, that, that judgment is, is unbiased by God, and that we're all... Every human is, has blood on their hands. We looked at the, the event that, that, that the Lord wants a continual remembrance of his redemptive acts, right? Because the, you, you know, you, when, when you're looking at um, taking a meal, it's this, this, physical, um, this physical act, right? This, this administered act where you're, you're eating right this, this meal and remembering. The, the point was to remember what the Lord was doing, right? Not just to eat it and be like, oh, this is a great meal, right? This is, this is a great lamb that we're eating, you know? It tastes very unblemished. That wasn't, that wasn't the point, right? The point was to remember that this provision was made, right? That there was no hope outside of what was going on, right? But God, in his mercy, made a way. God in his mercy made a way. And just like we do, you know, there's one commentator who said that 
we suffer, we tend to suffer from um, spiritual amnesia sometimes, right? A, a forgetfulness, right, when it comes to faith. And we need tangible reminders. And the Lord knew this even about the Israelites. He knew that they needed a tangible reminder in their faith community to remind them again and again, year after year, of his redemptive work in the past, but also how he is redeeming the people as well. That he is a God who keeps his promises, that he is a God who provides, right? And as we shall see, that, that that's even a, it's even a greater mark into how it even applies to us. So we look at the, the, the blood-stained hands, the blood-stained knife, and then the blood-stained doorframe, right? You notice how the, the text doesn't say that it, you know, it, it, notice he didn't say that it, it could be, you know, just, just put, put some paint on the wall or, you know, mark it with, you know, some nice fabric or something like that, something that would give a visual reminder. If, if that was the case... Right in the narrative, if that was the case, then then shedding the blood of a, a of an innocent lamb would seem really cruel. Why did it have to be the blood of an unblemished lamb? Why was that the important um, piece of this story here? What's the important piece is because that blood was what was covering over the sin. Right, it, that it that it says when. The angel of death, when the destroyer comes to bring judgment, when it sees, right, when he sees the blood on the doorframe, sees that, all right, no more. This is, this is satisfying. There's nothing more that needs to be done here because blood has already been spilt. And that passing over is a, is a sense of God covering, actually covering the people, right? Not in a passive event, but a very active event, that he's covering his people and doing so by the bloodstained door from anyone behind this door that was bloodstained would be saved, right? Would be cared for, right? And nothing to do with you know, the type of blood, well, it, you know, it, it, the, 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 it had to be a, a lamb, right? But it was that, that obedience and that, that blood on the doorframe that was what, um, what was used to, dis, to, to, dis, to, to, um, to save. And the blood that the Lord provides, it, it doesn't discriminate, right? It was whoever was inside that door, would be cared for, would be, would be safe. And that unblemished blood stood between God's wrath and the family inside. In God's hand, it passed over and said that the blood has already been shed. And, you know, I, I imagine what it must have been like for a a. Uh, an Israelite that day, you know, um, you know. Imagine two is- Israelites having a conversation about what's what's going on. You know, what's what's happening that that evening, the night of the Passover. It's the it's the day of, and you know, 
they're, they're having a conversation. They're like, well, you know, one's saying to the other, are you ready for what's about to happen tonight? You know, what's, what's, what's going to happen? Like, and the other's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. It's like, you got your blood on the doorframe, right? You, you made sure it's, it's on the doorframe, right? You got, you got your meal cooked up. You're ready to eat it as a family. It's like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of them's like, you know, we, we, this is, this is going to be great. Like, I, I have confidence this is going to happen. The other one's like, you know, I, I just don't know. Like, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that. Like, is, is, there, is that really going to happen, Right? Is God really going to do what he says, right? Like, imagine them talking. He's like, oh, come on. Like, you just gotta, gotta, you got to quit, you know, um, worrying about this. Like, it, it's going to happen. So you see these, these two, like, having this kind of this, this back and forth thing, right? And they're, they're you know, at the, at the end of that night, my question would be, like, well, who, which one of those people, which one of those families was saved? The answer, this is a trick question, the answer is both. Because it had nothing to do with the strength or the lack of strength of their faith. But it was a complete act of what God had provided and their ability to just obey, to just trust that. The trust had nothing to do with the strength of their internal feeling of faith, but the object of their faith, their willingness to do that, Everyone behind that door frame, marked in blood, was redeemed, was saved for something, right? You notice how the, the Exodus narrative says, hey, this is how you're supposed to take the meal. Have your cloak tucked into your belt, right? Have your things ready to go because this is, we're going to go. We're, we're leaving. We're, we're getting out of here. This is the, this is the event that which... We are getting out, right? And they do it in, in that way, right? It had nothing to do with the, the, the strength of one's faith, but all to do with the provision that God had provided, right? It's only by the blood. That's why we even sing, you know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And you're noticing these, you know, if, if you're in your mind, you're, you're noticing these, these, these redemptive historical parallels of, of that blood ultimately pointing to Jesus, right? John, John the Baptist, uh, when he saw Jesus, right, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Right? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now it's not just the sin of the family that's being covered. It's the sin of the world. And what's different about that even as well, the Hebrew writer tells us earlier in the book of Hebrews, he says, you know, the the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. It can cover sin, right? It's like a Band-Aid, but ultimately... It can't take away sin. The blood of bulls and goats can't do that. That's why the the institution of the Day of Atonement in Leviticus happened year after year after year to remind the people that, yes, 
this blood atoned for sin, but it wasn't taken away. But what's different? Well, as we look at the blood-stained cross, we see Jesus. The blood of the perfect lamb, God's perfect provision. And this blood takes away sin. This blood completely not only covers sin, but takes away sin. That when God sees the blood that was spilt by his son, he says it's, it's done. It's finished. It's completed. No more. And what's satisfying for God, my question is, that was satisfying for God. Is it, is it satisfying for us? The fact, if you are in Christ today, that the, the blood of Jesus covers you and takes away sin, is that enough? You know, looking back at, at, the, at the two individuals, the two, you know, um, more of historical fiction than anything, but looking at those two characters, you know, the, 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 the ones with faith, you know, is, is your, you know, where, where is your, your faith today? Maybe you're saying, you know, that you have a, a, a confidence of faith, and praise God that you do. My question would be, let's just let's make sure it's in the right thing, that it's in the blood that takes away sin, that it's in Jesus's redemptive work on our behalf, not our, you know, our, our own abilities to, to resist temptation or our own, abil- or our own knowledge of, of Scripture or, or this or that, but it's completely in knowing that the only reason, if you are in Christ, the only reason you are in Christ is because of the redemptive act of Jesus, right, that was provided for by God himself. And maybe you're here today and you're, you're struggling with faith. And my encouragement to you is knowing that the strength of your faith has nothing to do with your, your membership in the kingdom. It's what God has done. It's the object of that faith. And it should bring us assurance. The fact that we, we celebrate our Passover meal, remembering what the Lord did for us through Jesus, it's that tangible reminder why we always take and eat, that we feast on the provision that God has given for us. And in a way, we, we look backwards, yes, to, to, the, to, the, to what God did on the cross, that redemptive historical act in time. But we're also looking forward, too, right? Because what happened in, you know, with, with the Egyptians was, was a small judgment in comparison with the judgment to come of sin, of God setting things right. And the only thing that makes us right, the only thing that stands between that is the blood of the Lamb that God has provided. 
that God, indeed, his mercy is triumphant. His mercy is provided for us. So even as we feast, we look forward to the redemptive work that the Lord has done and is doing and will do 